Holy crap! everyone, and welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. I have a cold. And with me is Barry Liga, my co-host and husband. And I do not have a cold. Correct. So we're going to try to take it easy on your, your poor vocal cords. Well, you know, I have a cold. And also, we took a hiatus last week because of the holiday. Because of the holiday, so mm-hmm. we didn't want to do it this week. Yeah, yeah, but it was sort of an unannounced hiatus. So for all of you who were sort of waiting with bated breath... For last week's edition of this podcast, we everybody apologize. who was in a panic, mm-hmm. wondering where it was, you were, were all we're I know, very you were all sitting at like the Thanksgiving table and, and being like, I-, "I was really thankful for this podcast, <laughs> but I don't know what happened." No, but uh, anyway, so we've got a lot to talk about because it's been two weeks. Yeah, the first thing is really exciting, and I want to talk about it. It's about your only self-published and only adult book yes. called Unsold, which Unsold. had something exciting happen to it this week. Yeah, it is, it is, as we record, it is still number one in fiction and literature on Kobo Books. Super cool. Which is very cool. Uh, You know, this is a book that I made the decision to self-publish a couple of years ago for various reasons, and it sort of had a soft launch, didn't make a big deal out of it. And I like the book a lot. I think it's a funny book. It's a it's a very I call it a dirty little fable. Mm-hmm. It's very filthy, and it was sort of you know erotica for men in a way. Right. Yeah. And then I realized that there's porn, so people, <laughs> you know, people were like, "Yeah, maybe we don't need your erotica for men because right. men that like men like porn." Um, and uh, but I had a lot of fun writing it. it it's sort of the, the way I, I jokingly refer to it as: "What if fanboy grew up without having ever met goth girl?" Mm. But you don't need to know. But you don't need to no, know anything about that, no. obviously. Yeah. But that's just how I think of it. And and yeah, there was a promotion uh, right at the beginning of December, and the book pretty quickly jumped to number one in humor and literary fiction. And then about a day or so later, it hit number one overall in mm-hmm. fiction and literature, and it's been there for three days now, four days almost, awesome. I guess. Yeah. Really cool. It's it, it's really fun to go to the Kobo store, kobobooks.com, and see top, today's top 50 ebooks, and there's Unsold right there, uh-huh. right right at the top. It's great. It's really neat. I mean, it's a Unsold is interesting because, obviously, it was a totally different process than the rest of your books, and I feel like you've had a lot of sort of trial and error trying to figure out how to or whether to promote this. Yeah. Um, it's a tough thing to promote because it is very adult. It's, right. It's dirty. Right. It's about, it's about an author who sells his soul to the devil in exchange for a hit book. I have no idea where that came from. And, uh, you know, and, and sexy hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a lot of fun to write, but I felt strange about giving it a big push because I have, 10 year olds who read some of my yeah, books yeah. and, and it's not that I thought they would all run out and buy it, but I just felt weird about pushing it too hard to the current audi- audience. my current audience. Yeah. So I sort of put it out there and, and, and did some, some outreach to some adults and some reviewers who read it and really liked it. But generally I sort of just let it float out there. And now this has happened and that's great. Although it's really funny because when you think about it, if you've been publishing for what, a decade Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And so the kids who started off with you are not kids anymore. And every now and then I will get an email to that effect. Every now and then I will get an email from somebody who says, Hey, I read fanboy and goth girl when I was in high school 
And now, you know, I just got out of college and I'm doing yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. It's – I imagine it's a tiny fragment of the way I will feel when Leia is older, you know? Okay. It's like just – it's one of those things that just puts time in perspective of for course. you. Of course, yeah. You know? Um, you know, for me, the past 10 years have been – 10 years, you know, I went from my thirties to my forties. No big deal. Right. No big deal. But for the kids who read this book when they were, you know, 14 and it came out, Mm -hmm. they're 24 now. That's a huge difference. That's, that's a a decade of enormous change and hopefully progress. And yeah, so it, it, it's, it's very interesting for me to think of it that way, to think, you know, to me, it's something I wrote a while ago mm-hmm. to them. It's, Oh, that book I read when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but it is to go back to unsold and, and marketing something like this. Yeah. Um, it is one of those things you really have to figure out the balance of how much do I market to my current audience versus how can I expand to other look people, for a new audience. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, you know, I, even though I used to be in marketing <laughs> a long time ago when I had a day job, I wasn't necessarily very good at it. <laughs> And the fact of the matter is, I'm not sure how to find the new audience for this book. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, I have likened this book to the humor of Amy Schumer and Judd Apatow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how I find, I, I just figured everybody would kind of like this. You know, it, it it's a funny book with sex in it. Like, who doesn't like mm-hmm. that? And yet, you know, it, it it was not as easy as I thought it would be yeah, uh, yeah. To, to find that particular audience. Again, you know, erotica for women, huge market. Erotica for men, eh, they'll just go watch porn. So yeah. it really, it, 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 uh, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, I will say something you said earlier sort of set off alarm bells for me, which was you said unsold is like, what would happen if fanboy never met goth girl? Do you think, I mean, do you think that shuts people off because... Uh, like, do you want to market a book that has nothing to do with those other characters when, uh, do, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm asking, do you think positioning it that way harms the book? Beats the hell out of me. It could. Yeah. It could. You know, and again, it comes down to what audience are you talking of to? Of course, yeah. I think that if you're talk, if your audience is made up of people who have read Fanboy and then Goth of Girl, course, yeah. then, then there's a percentage of them who will go, huh, yeah. I wonder what that would have been like. Of course. If you're talking to people who've never read Fanboy and Goth Girl, then yeah, they're going to be like, oh, well. I don't get I don't know. I tend to assume that when I am blogging or tweeting or Tumblring or Facebooking or any of those various things, that the people who are listening are people who at least are familiar with Fanboy and Goth Girl. Because why the hell are they following me? I realize there's But also, number one, those books are 10 years ago. I know. And number two, I would argue that most of your fan base currently is from I Hunt Killers. I Hunt Killers. Probably. Yeah. It probably is. So it's just something to consider. Yeah. 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 Okay. So moving on. We have a lot of parenting things to talk about. We do. Holy moly. We do. Um, Did you just say holy moly? I did. Listen, I've been trying to ease up on my language around the baby. That's like that's like Captain Marvel used to say that in the comics. Holy moly. That's where I got it from. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, anyway, our baby demands things. Our, our baby now, the other day, this was amazing to me. She was playing on the floor, which is fine. And I was sitting on the sofa watching her play on the floor. And, uh, and it was probably about... 20, 25 minutes before I, before typical time for me to give her lunch. And suddenly she sat up, looked at me and made a little noise to make sure I was looking at her. (laughs) And then 
not upset in any way, not dramatic in any way, just very calmly pointed to her high chair. Wow. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute, are you trying to tell me yeah. something? And I said, are you hungry? And she just kept looking at me and I said, are you hungry? And she crawled over to me and pulled herself up so that she was like resting on my knees and pointed at the high chair wow. again. And I was like, all right then. So I, I put her in the so. high chair and I, and I fed her and she was very happy. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like number one, oh my God, my daughter can communicate with me. Yeah. And number two, she can boss me around without saying a word. <laughs> well, it really is true. Like there's not much guesswork involved anymore. I, you know what I mean? Like the first whatever months of a baby's life, you're just guessing. Right. When is she the crying? Is she hungry? Right. Is she tired? Is she, is she bored? Is she hurting? Is a diaper? Is wrong? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Is she sick? And now we can read a lot of the the clues and the cues that she gives us because right. she's much more um, communicative. So this morning for me, as, as you know, and as most people know, um, she and I, our morning routine is that after her morning bottle and after we played for about 20 or 30 minutes, I usually put on some Sesame Street because then it's breakfast time right. and, and usually I'm getting ready for work. So it's, it's a nice little thing to keep her distracted. This morning we're playing around and I guess I let... I guess I let us play too long without the TV on because all of a sudden she looked at me and started dancing and pointed to the TV, which is her sign for Sesame Street because she likes to dance during the Sesame Street songs. So um, it was pretty incredible. Well, it's interesting. You know, it also tells me she's starting to understand the routine. Right. You know, like she's making associations. Yeah. Like, oh, around this time of day, I dance and I watch Sesame Street. Right. And, oh, I'm starting to get hungry instead of crying about it. I know whenever I'm in that chair over there, that's when I get food. Yeah. So put me in that chair yeah. so that food will come. Yeah. And it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about how we can trick our baby. Yes, which I think all parents will agree. It is important to trick your children as much as possible because eventually <laughs> they'll become wise to your tricks. Exactly. And they won't work anymore. So you've got to use them as much as possible yeah. now while they're stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to redirect a baby. So when they're having a tantrum or they're upset about something, it, you know, I think we're pretty good at, at redirecting so that right. she stops crying or whatever. But uh, this week we've had to employ a lot of trickery because I, like I said, was had a cold, have a cold. So I came home from work a, a couple of times and wanted to nap in our bedroom. And of course, I couldn't just walk on in because if she saw me, she would freak out right. with delight and then would be glued to me for hours. So, um, so we kept tricking her. And number one... Thank goodness for grandmas again. Yeah. My mom was up um, watching her for two days. And for one of those days, I took like two, three hour naps. No lie. One in the morning, one in the afternoon in my bedroom and in our bedroom. And uh, thank you for acknowledging that it's my bedroom. too. It's occasionally yours too. And, uh, and the baby had no idea that I was home. Cause all we did was close the door. Exactly. So, um, so it was very funny. Which, which is great. And then today, for example, I went to the gym and I took her with me so that you could take another nap. Yeah. And you walked to the door with us. Right. And then I went out the door and closed the door and she yeah, just like, like I pretended I was going yeah, with you. Yeah, you pretended so that she would be calm. And then, and then she just, once we were outside, she starts looking around and gets distracted yeah. by things and she's like, mommy who? Right. So right. yeah, it, it's, it's good now, you know, before object permanence has totally settled in. Yeah. It, it's very good now. So A plus for trickery. Yes. And A I look plus forward, plus for our little girl who can communicate with us. I well. look forward to tricking her many, many, <laughs> many more times 
in the years to come. And I, I am already dreading the day when she suddenly goes, hey, wait a minute. We figured it out. We can start a Tumblr. Ways to trick Ways your baby. Ways to trick your baby, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so something else happened on social media this week that has since been corrected, but it was really funny and I want to talk about yeah, it. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So... Of course, I saw it on Twitter because that's where I see everything because Twitter is my, like, newsfeed. Not like. It is my newsfeed. It really is. is. Legit my newsfeed. Um, so, Time Magazine. I like Time. I, I used to have a subscription. I, I read it off and on. They listed uh, the best YA books of 2015. And Spoiler alert, I was not on it. No, but do you know who was? Dr. Seuss. <laughs> His famous YA novel, yes, The Cat yeah, in the Hat. Yeah. So anyway, so basically Time's List, which has since been updated to, the title is now the best YA and children's books of 2015, but when it launched, it just said YA and all of Twitter was laughing at it. Um, laughing and, and sort of rageful, I think. Yeah. Because it included, like I said, such things as The Day the Crayons Quit and a Dr. Seuss title, as well as Rainbow Rowell and Sarah right. Dessen. So, you know, it's just one of those things where did the person who wrote that list, is that person not a YA reader and just sort of thinks that you can lump all of those genres together? Well, and the fact that then they went back and said, oh, no, it's YA and children's. Why on earth would, I mean, right. it's, it, it, it's like making a list of the best cookbooks and self-help manuals. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Why? Like, yes, they're all books and they're all about doing things, but yeah. so what? Yeah. And to take... To, to make a list that purports to be the best books from age three to age 18 seems ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and it's partly because, number one, it's the internet. So you have space to create right. several lists. They've got room you to make more lists. You didn't run out of paper, lists. you exactly. know? Um, and number two, I just think it really does a disservice because, first of all, there are more than, they only listed, I think, 10 books. And... I mean, if you include two picture books and three middle grades and, I lost count, four YAs, like, well, that's stupid. There's so many more great books to talk about, so. I could have made the list. You could have. If they had done ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but speaking of lists, of course, this is the time of year when all of the lists come out. Yes. So, New York Times Notable Books and... School Library Journal and Kirkus and all of those great And all the local papers do things. Oh, do they? Yeah, like the Seattle Times did one and Boston Herald did one and LA times. They all tend to, the the big local papers also tend to do this. Um, I will say it's so funny because I of course always look with interest at the lists, partly because of my job and partly because of my writing and partly because I'm a reader. Um, But where I really find a lot of value in the list is in the adult lists because that's not my world day to day. Right. Um, And of course I read adult books, but sometimes it's hard for me to, pick adult books because again just because my world is is so YA and children's focused so the other day I, I went on a little book buying binge based on I think it was Amazon's and the New York Times and BuzzFeed and HuffPo all had like within the same two or three days had their list of the, the best adult books of the year and I think I bought like eight of them um but but I'm really excited. So do you, Barry, I mean, do you pay attention to the lists in terms of what to read next or what to purchase or? No, I don't, you know, and we, we've hinted at this before. We talked once before about sort of books where suddenly everybody is gushing about them and it's the book of the moment and, yeah. and, and how that can sort of be annoying because there's a lot of books published yes. every year. And I just, 
I mean, there's something like 50,000 books published mm-hmm. every year. And the idea of saying, no, these are the 10. Just, I, and especially because it seems like, you know, if BuzzFeed and the New York Times and, and the Boston Herald and Amazon all do a, each do a list of 10 books, it's never 10 different books. Well, no, there's always, there's there's always, always this overlap. three or six yeah. around and, that number, a handful and, of books that are just, on every list. Again, you know, there is a part of me, the contrarian in me, that goes, come on, that's bull. Mm. Like... 50,000 books, and you mean to tell me that there were three that were so good that every list on the planet has to have them? And I just, I don't believe that. Yeah. And I think... But it's also subjective. It's completely subjective, but I also think it becomes... we are all influenced becomes, by these biases. I think it becomes one of these things where, oh, we talk about it because everybody talks about absolutely. it. Well, absolutely. And why does everybody talk about it? Because we talk about it. Yeah. And it becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure. And so that just annoys me. In general, things like lists annoy me. I have been on lists. They still annoy me. Awards annoy me. I have won awards. They still annoy me. They, I, 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 I get hives at the thought of sort of ranking art and saying this art is better than this art. And I mean, certainly you could objectively say, so, you know, like, you know, Johnny's first book, you know, <laughs> that, that he published in his basement is probably not going to reach the heights of a little life. Dr. Seuss, I was going to say. Okay. (laughs) But yes, you can make those objective measures. But I really think that that there's this this pile on mentality, you know, and and it really it's why you know, for example, you watch the uh, what's the award show you like so much? Uh, The the Golden Gloves. Gloves. Anyway, you watch those award shows, and and you, I I don't want to say that you take them overly seriously, but you get legitimately upset if quote unquote the wrong person I wins do. you know when my family wins year after year right it proves to me that the emmys are useless well that's just it and i'm like like i just watch i'm just i just laugh and i laugh that people get upset i'm like it doesn't matter who's nominated it doesn't matter who wins the only reason it matters is because we say it matters right which means it does matter well but it's it's sort of it, it's sort of like it's sort of like our currency, which is not backed by right. gold anymore. Right. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Yeah. It so only, money if, only means something because we say it does. Right. Of course. So if people would just stop giving a shit about the Oscars and the Emmys and the Golden Globes, it would stop mattering. Like there's what I'm saying is there's nothing that compels those things to matter other than our belief in them. And if we just stopped believing in them. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter anymore. But as a creator, what other way can you determine, and this is, gonna, this is already a crazy question because I'm sure. already thinking of it and I'm like, this is a stupid question. But as a creator, you want to know that your work mattered or affected someone. Yep. And this is one of those ways. Yeah. You know, and I agree you with you. You don't get many ways. No, you don't. And we've talked about that before too. Like we, when we talked about the, the New list. York Times bestseller yeah. list, we talked about why does it matter? And because there's lo- because not a lot there's of data not, points. There's so. not a lot of, of, of rubrics. I think that's the right word. Yeah. There's not a lot of rubrics by which to measure your success or your reach as an author. I think, I think that awards and lists are fine in that regard. I guess what I would say is that I think we place too much importance in them. We invest too much in them. When I say we, I mean generally because I personally try to invest as little as humanly possible in these things. You know, one of my favorite authors ever, Alan Moore, the brilliant graphic novelist who brought us Watchmen and and so many other amazing works. 
he said something years and years ago in an interview that really influenced me. Somebody was speaking to him, and he had won every award you can win in comics. Uh-huh. Uh, you know the the you know the Eisner, the Spirit Award, all all these these awards that were a big deal. And somebody said to him, uh, "Where are they?" They were interviewing. I said, "Where you know? Yeah, I'm in, you know, they're them? not on your mantle. Where, yeah. where are they?" And he goes, he "Goes pretty sure I threw them out." <gasps> and uh, he said, "I'm not sure, but it's." You know, he's British. He said, it's quite possible they're in the rubbish. Um, and the person was like, why? And he goes, he goes I, I want to make sure people understand. Like, I don't hold the, the awards in contempt. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that people gave them to me is lovely and, and, and wonderful. But I got to a point in my career where I was getting these awards and I realized... I thought to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I writing? Is it to get an award? Mm. Or is it to produce something lasting? And the more awards I got, the more I was worried that that's what I was becoming interested in. And I decided that I had to purge that from my life. And perhaps I did it radically, but he just decided I can't think about this anymore because it was beginning to affect the way he was writing. And Don't you think that's someone coming from a very privileged place, though? Like, if someone got one award... And threw it out, I would think, oh my God, what an idiot. <laughs> so the fact that he can do it and we don't all think, what a jackass, is because he has thousands of awards. Well, no I, I, no, I mean, I think if he had announced that he was doing this, that would be one thing. Like if he had tweeted, not that Twitter existed then <laughs> and not that he tweets, but if he had tweeted, you know, here's a picture of me throwing my Eisner Award right, in the yeah. rubbish. But this was somebody asked him in an interview, and he answered the question no, honestly. No, of course he did. I'm just and saying it, that's e- that's very easy for someone who gets so many awards to do. That's a very easy position I, to take. I disagree. Really? I think it's interesting that you think that, and I think it's possible that it could be easy, but I think it could also be... I think the whole reason he did it was because it was difficult. I, th- because- I perceive it as, look at me, I get so many awards that I can throw them out, and it doesn't matter, because I'm going to get 10 more next year and 10 more the year after that. No, it was more... So if I want to save them down the road, well, I'm going to get another one. The, the, way, the, way it, the way it came across in the interview, it was, this is beginning to affect me. I like it too much. I mean, so I need to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I understand that, that philosophy. I I really do. I mean, I, you know, I've got, it just feels a little contrived. I've got a couple of awards and I'm not throwing them away. No. Um, but I try to be, I try to be realistic. I tell myself that the award just means that the people who were in charge of the award at that point in time liked what I did. Of course. And so I take it, I take it in that spirit. Mm -hmm. And to me, to me, the award should mean less to me and should mean more to the people who are giving it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's a way for them to express their appreciation for something that somebody did. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I could care less about the Oscars and the Grammys and the Golden Globes because it's just, Rich, successful people giving each other awards for being rich and successful. Whereas, you know, like the Kentucky Bluegrass Award that I won, that's the kids of Kentucky going, hey, good job. Right. It it, it feels a little different. And yeah. it means something to them 
to be able to say, we really like this. Here's an, ex- here's so, an expression of our, of our appreciation. So you think um, awards generally that are voted on by the public, do you think they are more meaningful than those that are voted on by like a board? I, to me, they are. Mm-hmm. And I think to people who generally receive awards, it should, it should feel more, it should feel more, le- not legitimate, but mm. it should have a little more oomph behind it. So the People's Choice Award is more prestigious than the Oscar. It's not a question of I prestige. Know, I'm it's not I'm a, because, as we're saying this, I'm thinking about you know things like um, what is it the uh, what, what is it that the president gives out the um, Medal the, of Freedom the medal the the thing I don't know he gives it out to like musicians and stuff like that like every year they do the Kennedy Center thing right yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But that, but that's something where I think the relative scarcity yeah. of it and the the prestige of the person giving it to mm-hmm. you makes it more important. The people who give out the Oscars are just a bunch of actors right. and directors. Like I, I know actors and directors. They're all fine people, but it you know. I think it means something to an actor to get an Oscar because it's other actors voting, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's your peers saying, hey, good job, you. Well, and, and that's more like the SAG, too, the Screen Actors right, Guild. Right, right. Yeah. That's very meaningful. It shouldn't mean anything to you or me sitting at home watching right. on TV. Right. It should just, it means something to the actor getting it, and it means something to the actors who gave it because they're rewarding one of their own. Right. That, yeah. it, it should be a more personal thing. And I guess that's the problem I have with a lot of these Listen Awards is when they become blown up and they become a thing suddenly we're all supposed to care about. And I just don't think we really should. I guess I use them more as a as a recommendation engine sure. for my end of the sure. year book buying, sure. which I appreciate and, and, because and partly because there are so many books, right? And there's so much noise that yes, some of us sometimes need someone to say, oh, yeah, here's yeah. some ideas." Yeah, sure. Yeah. Truthfully, truthfully. If it weren't for the fact that so many books are repeated on so many lists, I would do yeah. that too. But when I see the same books on so many different lists, it kind of just feels like, oh, the fix is in. This is the book everybody is pushing. Yeah, and yeah, I just get I annoyed really, and then... Yeah. I like when I'm surprised by right, a list. Right, yeah, right. That's nice. Okay. Um, so just speaking of books, there's something else that made news this week that I want to want to ask about because I'm fascinated by, by this. So in Sweden, every 16-year-old is yes, going to receive a copy I saw this. of Chimimanda Adichie's we should all be feminists, which yeah. I own, by the way. I know, I yes. know. I have seen the book lying around the house. Yes, yes. Um, so, quick question. Yeah. If you could give a book to every 16-year-old in America, what would it be? Holy crap. We're going to put that out on Twitter, too, because I, I don't know. You I do not know what it would be. completely caught me off guard with that. I have... I, like, let's think about I, that. I, I what mean, should it be? Oh, my God. You know, any... The problem is that... Like I think it's wonderful that they're doing this, that they're that uh-huh. they're doing this in Sweden. I think it's terrific. Um, you know, I'm sure that somebody would make the argument, oh no, it should be something by Frederick Douglass. You right, know, right. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about race. You right. know, you know, Sweden is such a you know monoculture in terms of race. Let's talk about that. You know, um, and I I feel like I feel like whenever you say if you could make every blank read, blank. read something, what would it be? People immediately think of whatever a cause is or a problem that they're trying to fix, you know? Okay. And clearly there's an agenda in giving this particular book to 16 year olds. Um, you know, it's a fine agenda. The word agenda has a bad rap. It does. I, I know. It's like, like people say agenda and it's like, Oh, that's a bad, no agendas are awesome things. So, you know, I, I would try to go for something 
like, honestly, I'm looking behind you at my bookcase yeah. and there is a book there that I see that I would love everybody in this country to read, not just the 16 year olds, but I don't think that 16 year olds would get it. Cause it's a very weirdly written, very dense book. And I think they'd give up on it. Is it, it is the new dad's survival guide. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it, it is the new encyclopedia of Freemasonry. Uh, no, it is. In fact, you are not a gadget by Jaron Lanier, which I actually recommended very early in this yeah. podcast. Um, and it's a great book about how we interact with technology, which man, woman, black, white, straight, gay, old, young, we are all mm-hmm. interacting with technology. And I think it's really important how we think about that. So I would love if, if there was like a, a YA version of uh, that book, yeah. like if somebody had written that, that would be the book yeah. to get kids hey, thinking about this stuff. That could be what you stuff. work on next. It could be. It could um, be. No, but seriously, I don't know what it would be. I immediately was like... The bell jar. And then I was like, no, that doesn't well, make sense. And I then mean, I was like, the age of innocence. And then I was like, no, I, I have no idea. Well, I think your problem is that you would recommend this book. Like, yeah, serious, I mean, I mean, this book. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. I mean, so it's tough, awesome. it's tough for you to play this game because yeah, they already yeah. got your answer. No, but it is like, is it a, a something classic? Is it contemporary? Is it, you know, whatever. So I think it's very smart because it's short. It, that's true. It's, it's a, a bit, short it's like book. like a long essay, essentially. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a very short book. And it's adapted from a TED Talk, right? Yeah. Like, isn't mm-hmm. it basically the, the script of the TED yeah, Talk in I a way? Yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, I think that's smart, too, because you'll actually get 16-year-olds to read it. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think it's smart. It's a great move. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love when I see um, entire high schools assigning, or colleges assigning yeah. all students the same yeah. book. Or I, even, you know, towns do it. These yeah, are community yeah. reads, yeah. you know, where everybody, not everybody, obviously, because some people don't care. Right, yeah. But they get, like, a really great, you know, yeah. outstanding proportion of the people in the town to read one book yeah. together. I love that. And then they bring the author in, and mm-hmm. they do a whole big thing. It's yeah. really cool. My cousin, who was not a reader, when she was in high school, they were all assigned the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian. And she would not have read that book if it had not been assigned. Right. And I think still to this day, perhaps... Perhaps. I don't want to speak for her, but I think it's the only full book that she's read. And she loved it. You know, you think if you found a book and you loved it, you might might try another one. She's just, she's not a reader. So anyway, um, so I I love those things. I wish wish we did them more. I think they're very cool. Like all of Brooklyn should read the same book. No, just kidding. No, because the hipsters would be like, I read that before. It was cool. Right, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Okay, so um, that's it for now. Is there a writing update you want to give? No, I mean, I'm I'm working on the Billy Short story. It's coming along really well. And uh, I'm preparing, I'm going to be teaching a class in revision at Arizona State University. And I will, uh, I'm working on getting that ready because cool. that starts in a few weeks. And I've we'll got to get week. my syllabus ready and all yeah. that stuff. So that's all I'm working on right now. Great. What about you? Any updates? Um, no real updates. No, yeah. I'm still waiting on agents. It's, and I'm, it's yeah, the dark, quiet time. time. It, yeah. It's the long, dark winter of publishing. Yeah. And uh, I am working on two things. One is a new YA and one is a picture book that cool. you and I will be jointly working on yeah we'll talk about that yeah. you know you said way back on the very first episode are we going to collaborate on something and uh i think, I we, think are. we are yeah. so yeah yeah all right well thanks for listening everyone um and you can visit us online at writinginreallife.com you can find our show notes there and leave us a comment and hey tell us what you, which book you think every 16 year old in america yeah, should read. yeah um and meanwhile don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes and while you're there give us a rating have a great week everyone thanks so much see you soon mm-hmm.